A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we have a story of betrayal and nuclear revenge. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, I locked all my roommate stuff in the house and left town for nearly six months. Most times, terrible roommates start out great, and then they suddenly show you who they are. This was not the case with my former roommate. He started out as a complete jerk, and even when I interviewed him, everything felt wrong. But stupid me rented my space out to him anyway. I inherited the house I lived in from my mom. She left me the house after she passed on, completely mortgage-free. It was the only thing she left me. Her personal belongings all went to my cousin, who was instructed to do with the effects as she pleased. That was not surprising at all since my cousin always loved mom's style. My mom was a chic woman. Her fashion style was out of this world and she had more miniskirts than me. As a teenager, most of my friends struggled with their parents not letting them wear skirts because they were too short. I had issues with my mom because she would want me to wear skirts that I thought were too short. My cousin would always get excited whenever her mom and stepdad brought her to my house because she got to play dress up in all my mom's clothes. My mom was also excited to have her over because she finally got to play dress up with the kind of daughter she'd always wanted. Like my dad, I was more concerned about computers and cameras. I'd rather wear jeans and big sneakers and if I had my way, I'd wear my comfortable joggers everywhere. My mom died and left me her beautiful small duplex, a house she bought when I was 13. I had decided that I was going to just sell the house because there were too many memories of my mom in there, and I feared that I would sink deep into depression from all the nostalgic feelings that would attack me if I stayed there. I was, however, working on a documentary in the town, and it made sense to just stay in my mom's house. I couldn't sell my house and buy another in the same town because my long-term plan was to leave that town and move to the city. But I also couldn't sell the house to buy a house in the city because houses in the city cost twice as much. The house was a beautiful one. It had three bedrooms with a garden out front and lots of space in it. I couldn't manage it all on my own, plus I needed extra money for a documentary I was filming on my own at the time, so I decided to get a roommate. Are you sure you're ready to have someone else, a stranger, sharing that space with you now? My lawyer best friend had asked me when I revealed my plans of renting out the guest room downstairs to her. No, I mean, I know that it's going to be hard, but I also need the money. I had a bad habit that I eventually spent a full year working on. I was severely impulsive. I made the silliest and most unwise decisions knowing that they're unwise, but forcing myself to believe that I had no other choice. When I met my roommate for the first time, it was online. I had posted on my Facebook that I was looking for a roommate in my part of town, and he reached out to me. He was the only one who reached out. I had been skeptical about getting someone who was interested on social media because most of my Facebook friends were friends and classmates from high school, and their friends who thought my page was interesting sent me a friend request. Most of them have moved to live in the city, so there was nearly no one who'd live in my part of town. The first warning sign was that he was a guy with a girl's name as his Facebook username. When he indicated interest, I just assumed that he was a girl. 
Also, his profile picture was a picture of him and a girl smiling into the camera. I just thought of that it was the girl who was applying and a brother or boyfriend. He was already a Facebook friend and we had numerous mutual friends, so I figured that it was safe to interview him in my house. When he came in for the interview, I was shocked to see a dude, the dude I'd seen in the picture. Hello, he said, looking at me strangely. I thought you were a... a woman? No, that's not shocking. People always think that because of my middle name, which is the name I use on Facebook. Oh, I said, still confused and undecided about how to handle the new information. He told me about his sister, who had passed away five years before, and how he took her first name as his middle name, and that explained why he had a feminine Facebook name. His explanation still did not sit right with me, and something still felt odd, but I interviewed him anyway and let him move in. I knew I'd made a huge mistake when on the second day he moved in, he brought another small dude with him. They were nearly the same height and would pass for brothers, except that they looked nothing alike. During the interview, I asked him if he planned to bring in someone to live with him and he quickly said no. I don't think I want anyone in my space right now, he added. That works just fine for me because I'm working on a documentary right now and my mother passed away a few months ago. I really could use some peace and quiet. When his friend moved in, I called him aside and asked if his friend was a guest and would be leaving soon. Why do you ask, he asked, looking at me like I was crazy. I need to know. We had an agreement, remember? He kept looking at me like I was this crazy person that he needed to get away from. He's my brother and he needed a place to stay. I can't refuse to let him stay. I sighed and let it be. That night he slept on the couch in the living room. I wasn't comfortable with that because sleeping on the couch would wear it out. Plus, it was a fancy couch and it wasn't made for that purpose, especially since his brother wouldn't be leaving anytime soon. I told him that I was not okay with him sleeping on the couch. I could have the couch moved to the store so you can bring in your own couch, I offered. He smirked and said nothing. That night and for the rest of the week, he slept on the couch. Besides him sleeping on the couch, he and his brother were the dirtiest people I know. His brother would cook and make a huge mess of the entire kitchen. Everything was used and not returned to where it ought to be. I'd go into the kitchen and not find anything where they usually were. I told you getting a roommate was a bad idea. Especially where you used to live with your mom. Whatever damage they do, it'll aggravate you even more than if it were a house you're renting. I'm going to ask them to leave. I don't want the next month's rent. I just want them out. That's a good idea. I hope they comply. I'm sorry, honey. I can only imagine how frustrated you must be feeling. The day after I had that conversation with my best friend, I called my roommate and told him that I didn't want them to stay any longer than the first month. You can't just send us out, he said quietly. What? Listen, this isn't working for me, okay? I'm not trying to be evil or anything, but I just can't handle anyone in my space anymore. This was a mistake. Okay, he said simply and walked away. The next day I was in the kitchen editing the video clips for my documentary when he walked up to me and stretched a long piece of paper to me. What is this? I asked him. It's the state's law on tenancy. What? Read for yourself. You cannot put us out. I said, I don't understand what you're talking about. You will when you read this, he said, shaking the paper. I carried my laptop and went upstairs to my room. He creeps me out, I told my best friend when she picked up the phone. I think he printed out the state's law on eviction and wanted to show it to you, my friend said when I told her what transpired. What can I do? I don't want them living here anymore. I can't handle it, I cried. I'm afraid you're going to have to wait. He's right, you can't put him out just yet. 
I said, you don't understand. They're driving me crazy and ruining the house. I wake up nearly every day to see my kitchen looking like a dump site. The living room smells like him already and I'm going to have to burn the couch when he leaves. Sorry, honey. I'm sure he knew this was going to happen and he planned it well. You might have a psycho on your hands. I sighed and resigned myself to fate. That week I asked him how much longer he'd like to stay. As long as it'd take us to find a place, he said, his face blank and devoid of any emotion. I looked up at his brother who was just behind him and saw him nodding happily. I knew at that moment that I was in trouble. Well, how long is it going to take to find a new place? Uh, I don't know. I called my friend that evening in tears. Is there something I can do to put them out? Legally? They said, honey, I don't want you to spend so much on getting a lawyer when we already know what would come out of it. Their behavior got worse after the conversation about how long they'd stay in my house. I usually would go to bed late because that was when I did my best work. Then I would sleep till midday. Every morning after that day, I'd be awoken by my roommate's brother clashing plates and pans together in the kitchen. I just knew it was deliberate because I'd lived in that house since I was a teenager, and I was never disturbed by my mother's cooking, even though she did a lot of heavy cooking. My roommate continued to sleep on the couch, and would even leave his blanket on the couch during the day. My house started to irritate me. I hated being there. It was so heartbreaking because it was all I had left of my mother, and they were ruining it for me. I decided that enough was enough. I may not be able to put them out legally, but I was going to do something. One of my old friends was a videographer and filmmaker. He asked me to join him in filming a docuseries in a neighboring county, and I agreed. I had my friend draft a two weeks notice to my roommate asking him to leave my home and giving reasons why I was ejecting him. After handing him the papers, he walked up to me, tore them up, and walked away. That same week, I went out to have security alarms installed in the house so no one could try to break in without the whole street being alarmed. I went over to my neighbor's home, both our old ladies who used to be friendly with my mother, and asked them to call the police if they caught anyone trying to break into the house. My roommate worked as a paralegal in a law firm, and I had no idea what his brother did. He did cook a lot, but they left for work together every morning and would usually be in the kitchen together. I started to watch them closely to see where they kept their keys. I had given him one of the spare keys to the house when he moved in, even though I knew he'd hardly have any need for it. On the day I was supposed to travel, I snuck into their room while they were together in the kitchen and took their keys. They left the house in a hurry that day and didn't even bother about their keys. They didn't have to anyway. I was always in the house. That afternoon, I joined my old friend at the airport and we left the country together. Before I left, I changed the lock on the two doors in the house. I did that so it didn't look like I was going to punish them deliberately. My best friend advised that I just make it look as though it was all their fault since they lost their keys. The two weeks notice had elapsed, plus the time I'd orally informed them to leave, so I'd done them enough favors. My neighbor informed me that they'd both returned home that evening and kept walking around the house to see how they could get in. If they tried to open a window, the alarm system would go off. Please call the police then, I told her. I was expecting them to call, but they didn't. Not until the next morning. Please open the door, he said to me when I picked up. Who is this? I asked, feigning ignorance. He mentioned his name. I'm afraid I don't know anyone with that name. Perhaps you have the wrong number. He kept quiet for a while and then said, Okay. He called back and started cursing at me. I hung up again. He called after that and apologized to me. Listen, 
I'm very sorry. I was trying to get in and realize that I have my keys inside. Could you please open the door? I'm late for work already. I don't know what you're talking about. I hung up again. I was starting to enjoy the whole ruse. While waiting for them to call again, I decided to do a thorough investigation on Facebook, something I'd neglected to do before I let him into my house. I found out that he and his brother were lovers. I was shocked and immediately texted my best friend to tell her about it. She had said in the past that they could be lovers, but I'd laugh about it. He called again. Look, we just want to pick up our stuff and leave. We don't want any trouble. I'm sorry, I honestly don't know who this is. You have got the wrong number. He burst into tears. Look, I'm sorry, I know we've been bad roommates. Just open the door, we'll pick up our stuff and never bother you again. If you keep bothering me, I may have to get you arrested, I said and hung up. For nearly six months, all their stuff was in the house, and they had no access to it until my best friend came to town. I had her put all their stuff together and mail it to where he worked. I didn't know if he still worked there or if he ever even did, but I didn't care. I just wanted to do what I believed was the right thing. Although it definitely sucks in this position for them to weaponize tenancy laws, it was their right and OP should have just gone through the eviction process and just dealt with it even though it sucked. Keeping their stuff ransom for six months, whether or not they lied, whether or not they were bad roommates, maybe a little over the top, I would say. I mean, I'm surprised more than anything that they didn't get the cops involved here. I mean, if their stuff was legally being kept in this house where they had no access to. That said, our next story is the betrayal that cut deep. I flew in from California the night before, and I decided to have a fun time with my younger sister in the cool, breezy state of Kansas. I travel the world, but Kansas is home. No matter how far I go, I always look forward to coming home to my family. They sure know how to make my heart grow fonder. I thought the family was everything, until my heart got shredded into pieces. The Blue Room is one of my favorite places in the whole of Kansas. The atmosphere does something to my nerves, more like it relaxes them. I love the jazz music, the drinks, and the festive atmosphere I feel. On this particular day, I hung out with my sister at one of my favorites. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Spots in Kansas, the Blue Room. My sister Rachel was my cool buddy. What we share was a thing, and I'd assume that she was my biggest supporter in the room. She was outgoing, but I was reserved. She was an extrovert and I was an introvert, or so I thought. We were rich kids. We grew up in so much comfort and luxury. If a thing were better, we were given the best. But I went ahead and became richer. It was easy because my parents already set the pace. I only followed. I handled the family business. 
not because it fell on my lap, but because I earned the spot. Rachel was younger and she appeared a little laid back. She enjoyed the luxury that came her way so much that it was easy for the rest of the family to think she was made for just that. Then there was Dave, the youngest in our home, my mother's dearest and only beloved son. He was my mother's son and with him, he was just that. The family's business was a fortune, so I had a lot tied around my neck. It was my father's wish that I never allow the business to sink, no matter what. And as a gracious daughter, I was more like, say no more, papa. Honestly, he didn't need to say much more as I'd already soaked my life in the business. So it was easy for me to cherish any moment I'd get to spend at the blue room alone or with my sister Rachel. That spot was the perfect place to unwind or even think about finding a man. It wasn't that anyone was pressuring me from home, but loneliness was beginning to set in as I was only some months shy of 30. I had never thought I would long for a partner as much as I did. I had tried some relationships in the past, but I had more of situationship. I don't know which one describes what I had, but it was more like I was dating myself or that I was asking for too much. Then, on one of those occasions at the Blue Room, a young, well-trimmed man took a table near Rachel and me. His name is Raphael. At first, he was just another fine-looking man. On a closer look, he wasn't just fine, he's foreign. His wavy hair caught my attention, and he knew how to carry himself. He was organized even though I was yet to know him. His outfit was a thing, and then his wristwatch and his shiny gold ring. What of his carefully ironed satin shirt that shone like glass? I wasn't meant to look, but he didn't make it easy not to. Now that years have passed between us, I keep wondering if he was also looking at me that day, or if I simply imagined things. I could swear I wasn't imagining things when I went to get another round of drinks for Rachel and me. I wasn't even stalking him, but I was glad I met him at the front bar. He was done placing his orders when I caught his attention. I was so sure something sparked off on his inside. I saw it, and I encouraged it. Our eyes locked and I almost melted at the sensation that I felt on the inside. It was magical and electrical at the same time. Even while I felt embarrassed, I couldn't stop staring. Thank God for the sensitive waiter that called my attention back to the drinks in the most romantic way possible. I smiled and jerked back to reality. That evening, everything suddenly looked romantic. When I got back to my seat, I looked across me to steal a glance at my mystery man, but there was no mystery man for me to see. Then the drink began to taste like nothing. The atmosphere was no longer festive nor cool. Rachel couldn't place what was happening, but she knew I wanted to leave. Jane, are you okay? Rachel was forced to ask. When we left the blue room that day, I looked blue and pale. And I didn't like that I looked blue and pale. I didn't like that I felt such a powerful force towards the man I'd never met or knew. Considering the choices of men I'd made in the past, I honestly ought to have treaded with caution. Trust me, I threw all caution I ought to have taken in the deep blue sea when Raphael met me again. Everything happened in the blue room. Rachel and I were having another moment in time. We were more keen on laughing and enjoying the feels and thrills that came with being at the blue room. I think I wasn't reeling on the mystery man that stole my heart in those few minutes that day. I'd moved on and I was only concerned about the joy and happiness around me and in front of me. Then voila, I saw him again. At that instance, everything looked like slow motion. The way he walked in and how organized he looked yet again. I think I had a fair shot at his looks. I had ample time to stare at him as much as I liked. I noticed so many details at once. 
For instance, I noticed his height, his beard, and yet another satin shirt. Then the unexpected happened. My mystery man walked past several seats and didn't stop. At first, I tried to imagine that he was staring right back at me until I noticed he was staring right back at me. Just that his stares were deep and piercing. Hi, girls. Doesn't matter if I share a drink on your table? My mystery man with the electrifying voice echoed. At that moment, I was so sure that my life was a movie, and those scenes were shot by someone else. Everything and nothing made sense at that point. Then, boom, the three of us began to chat, laugh, drink, and get high on nothing. That particular memory has continued to live rent-free in my head. What was there not to love about Raphael? Everything about him was simply giving. He knew Rachel and I were siblings, but I felt he picked me when he asked me out on another date. Not that Raphael was a trophy, but I couldn't believe my luck with him. Maybe I shouldn't have, but what would you have me do with a man that ticked all my boxes? Months had raced into a full-blown year, and I could boldly say that I felt much more in love than I felt the first day I saw my mystery man. Raphael is Italian and he treated me to lots of Italian dishes. With him, I felt I had something safe and pristine, and I have to mention how I saw different parts of me in the open with Raphael. I realized that I am an extrovert, just as I am an introvert. Then in the second year of our relationship, something incredible happened. Raphael was convinced that we should take our relationship a leap higher. He wanted to make me his wife. I wasn't really surprised because Raphael had shown consistency in love and in character that I'd seen, but a lot was happening that I didn't know about. Did I care to know about what was happening? The truth is I didn't care. I was just obsessed with this man that has loved me in ways that I've never experienced. Even if he is deceitful, I wouldn't have seen that because I chose to focus on his good sides alone. The good side, however, was nothing compared to the bad. The bad side I chose to ignore could have been the end of me. One thing I knew about Raphael was that he was a flirt, but I didn't know he had a dead conscience too. The day everything fell apart, the pain I felt was excruciating because I knew I didn't deserve the heartache Raphael gave me. The memory of that day still pierces deep in my heart. Despite the hectic day I had, I still wanted to treat Raphael to a dinner. I had planned to cook his favorite Italian dish, and I knew just how he loved to eat it, so I prepared to do it that way. I wasn't much of a cook, so it was a lot to have decided to cook that day. If only I knew that decision would shatter the beautiful journey Raphael and I had started, I might have changed my mind. Nonetheless, I felt grateful and lucky that I found the piece that Raphael made up just in time. It would have been a major blow if I'd gone ahead to marry such a huge pretender. It was okay if Raphael pretended all along, but it was terrible that he decided to fool my entire family members all at once. That wasn't even the height of it. It was worse enough that my sister chose to be an accomplice to my pain and woes. That day, neither Rachel nor Raphael expected me to walk into Raphael's exotic home when I did. I couldn't believe that the man I had thought would be my consort would be locked in a passionate kiss with my baby sister. How could Rachel do that? I was so shocked that I dropped the grocery bag I had with me. Thank goodness I didn't put on one of those stiletto shoes. I could have fallen face down. It was too late for both of them to pretend and continue to fool me. For a split second, none of us could say anything. And it wasn't that there was anything to say from my end, but I was too dumbstruck for words. After about five long minutes, I managed to find my voice. Rachel, you're my sister. 
How could you even want? At that instance, I didn't know what hurt more. Rachel's interruption or her betrayal. Her words stung like bees. Yeah, I know I didn't get it right this time, but was there any time I've even been allowed to get anything right? Rachel bluffed. You've had the prettiest things, and I felt having this pretty thing as well isn't too much to ask, Rachel retorted arrogantly. To be honest, I didn't know how much spite Rachel had for me, but I knew it was deep, and it hurt much more than I thought it would. At that instance, I knew I wasn't going to let this slide. I looked at Raphael, and I didn't know what I felt, but I was sure it was so much hate and disgust. He was even planning to propose to me amid all the pretense and betrayals. I thought what we had was truly special, I managed to ask him. I loved you, but your sister was too hot to ignore. I'm sorry, Jane, Raphael managed to reply. I hated the sound of his voice. How could he say that my sister was too hot? What right-thinking man says such? I was livid. It dawned on me that I'd fallen in love with a coward. A coward who was too confused to know what he truly wanted. And it was difficult to know if he seduced my sister or if it was the other way around. But one thing that was not difficult was that neither of them were remorseful. They loved to put me in so much pain. I swore to the heavens to rip them off any joy or satisfaction that they found in each other. Thanks to Raphael, I knew early on that there were many sides to my personality. And I was going to show them my other sides. First, I recorded every word that was said in that room. That was the only evidence I had. If those two could fool me for that long, then they could fool other people much more. I knew I wanted revenge both on my sister and that man I regrettably gave my heart to, but I must confess that it was a hard puzzle. I didn't know what to do even though I had a piece of evidence. Then it struck me that I could do so much with what I had. First, I had to break it to my family that I had to cut off all ties with my supposed all-time love. All I needed to do was allow them to ask why I would do such, considering how far we've gone. Well, I didn't have to wait too long, as the surprises and shock on their faces begged for more answers than I could give when I broke the news to my family. When I was ready to present my reasons, I made sure Rachel was there to swallow her bitter pills. After I finished playing the voice records, everyone was dumbfounded, but I didn't expect my father to take the decisions he took. For the first time, my father raised his voice so loudly that we were all startled. As if that wasn't enough, he stripped Rachel of 70% of the inheritances he bequeathed to her until further notice. Whoosh, that was a lot. And that wasn't all. She was mandated to take a job as soon as she could. And she had to find a job outside the family's business, for my father couldn't trust his daughter with his own business. After he made his decision, he took his keys and drove off. No one could summon the courage to beg him to reconsider, and I didn't even know what to say either. Strangely, the pain on Rachel's face was the biggest revenge for me. If she didn't care about me, then there was no point going the extra mile for her. After Rachel was dealt with, I felt it was only fair for Raphael to get his dose of pain too. I knew he had lots of high-profile people he did business with, and I was aware a particular deal meant the world to him. All I needed to do was make sure that he didn't get that deal. If he wanted to be a scumbag so much, then I was ready to help him be much more. I told one of the guys that Raphael wasn't who he posed to be, but they all scoffed. They knew I was a trophy girlfriend. He showed me off to everybody that cared to look at me. I was pretty and I had a good reputation for closing million dollar business deals, so I was a big catch. I guess that was why he kept me. He kept me for the camera and messed around with others. 
but I was too good for that, and I was bent on showing him that he messed with the wrong girl. I didn't want to do that quietly, I wanted to do it very loudly, so I released the voice records to the blogs. I made sure I used the most controversial blogs. Well, my sister was involved, but I didn't care who got destroyed at that point. I was sure that they didn't think about me when they frolicked around. It's been three years since that incident, and Raphael hasn't been able to find his feet again. I doubt if he would for a long time. Honestly, it sounded like Raphael had a great thing going. It blows my mind, honestly, how perfect a lot of these situations these people find themselves in and are still willing to sneak around and cheat behind the partner's back. Whether it's celebrities or just people you know personally, you can tell that like the ongoings of their relationship were in every way seemingly perfect, but these people still have these urges or this desire for exploring, I guess, and are willing to risk it all and ruin the relationship just to hook up with somebody else for one night. It's crazy. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.